You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Honored and privileged to be with you here tonight. And uh, I want to say just thank you, Michael and Michelle. And uh, bear with me because I'll get the crying out of the way first. We are family. And uh, we have known Michael and Michelle for 10 years. So Michael Adrian was only one year old. And, uh, you know, Michael Jackson did a song once, It's Black, It's White. And I can't sing, but, but, you know, Michael and I, we're we're just bonded to eternity. Um, Back in 2009, I lost my dad. And Michael was there for me. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm a small town boy from Iowa, and uh, there were no black people. But, but when we got, we got the call that my, my dad was sick, and my, my dad was 90 years old, and, and uh, my dad did not become a disciple, but, you know, we, Michael and Michelle were with Sharon and I, and, and Michael just looked at him, and he says, I'm going with you. And, and I'm like, wow, you know, really? And, and, and so in, in, in one of the darkest hours for me personally, Michael, my brother, went with Sharon and I to comfort us and to reach out to my family. So... I got the crying out of the way. (laughs) Um, I get emotional every time I think about it because that's what the kingdom is about. It's about our relationships. It's it's about our caring. It's about our love. And Sharon and I, when we arrived yesterday, you know, at the train station, the piano's playing, we love you with the love of the Lord. And, And just all the disciples that came out to greet us, the care package, and the singles. Where are the singles in the house? There was this awesome little package that was in our hotel room. So thank you so much for that as well. It's just it's moved our hearts to be loved and to be served. So thank you very much for that. But what's going on in the world? You know, Brexit. Is there a financial crisis that's going to be looming? You know, this London and Britain think they know better and they're going to separate themselves from the European Union, right? And just So what's going to happen? What's going on? The uncertainty of all these things. Because what the Union wanted was unity. And, and, but you think about it, you know, London's been around since the time of Christ. I'm sure it'll come through it. But, but there's uncertainty. It's what everybody's talking about. All these things. You've got the Euro Games who are over in Paris and in France. Everybody's focused on football. And what's going on? And they're putting their heart and their energy and their soul into to it as well. All these things that are going on in the world, but we have the kingdom. And, and, and it is. The title of the lesson that is just let's take it to the next level. And, and we're going to start in Galatians chapter 5, if you would with me. It says here halfway through verse 6 of Galatians chapter 5. The Bible says here, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. My first point tonight is, your faith counts. Your faith counts. Now what is faith? Faith faith is believing that something is going to happen before you can even see it. So, you know that something will happen. 
Doubt's not going to enter into your mind. Now for me, faith is very, it's very difficult to explain. It's very difficult to define, to get our head around it in that sense. It's like grace. We understand mercy, right? We give mercy. But what really is grace? It's something that we don't really completely kind of comprehend in our hearts. But, but faith is really something that God gives us. And God expects us to have. So over in Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to go in and understand that, okay, your faith counts. So what does that look like in the book of Hebrews? In Hebrews chapter 11, we know it is the hall of fame of faith, right? And, and in here in verse 1 of chapter 11, the Bible says here, that now faith, it's being sure of what you hope for. And it says that it's certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what was seen was not made out of what was visible. So the Bible says right here, this is a description, kind of a definition of what faith is. And faith is, okay, alright, it's something that you've got to be sure of. It's, it's, it's something that you must be certain of. And it's something that you need to come to an understanding of as well. And then that's a lot right there. The Bible says that the ancients were commended for their faith. Meaning in the Old Testament, what were they commended for? Their faith. And it's what should inspire us and motivate us. And it's why we are a full Bible church, not just a New Testament church. Because we learn from the Old Testament as well. And when you think about this, for me personally, what has faith meant? Because for each one of us, I think we've got to at times take an inventory of where is our faith. And, and as Michael somewhat described it, even for me... You know, I didn't grow up privileged, but I became privileged. And, and it's something that uh, I became a very accomplished man. I was vice president at General Mills, and, and our best product was Cheerios, so Cheerio. And, uh, to put it in perspective, it, it's the Nestle of America. That's what General Mills was. And, and I, ran, I ran a billion-dollar business. I, I, I got my master's in business. I was an accomplished man in the world's eyes. And I, and I was successful. But when, when you think about it, there was an emptiness that was there. I wanted to and I needed to and I saw my need to start to seek a relationship with God. And at 40 years old, I became a disciple. At 40 years old, I became an infant. I became a baby. And I knew that I had to learn a lot. I had to change. You know, even for Sharon and I, there was a counting of the cost. And even as Michael briefly described it, but, but you need to understand, you know, I left 24 years of building my career. 24 years, I put my heart and soul into it. And God rewarded it. God blessed it and all these things. But but we sold our home, we left our family, I quit my job, and we moved to California. And, and it just, that, that, took, that took a lot of faith. Let, let me put that in perspective. And, I, and Sharon and I described this. America is incredibly diverse. And, and moving from Minneapolis to Los Angeles, it, it is like moving to another country. Put it in perspective this way, it's like geographically going from Paris, France, to Moscow, Russia. It's 3,000 kilometers. And, and, and we're by far the minority in Los Angeles in, in, in that sense. So it took great faith for us to do that. And it's something that, hey, all I can say that I want to impress upon you tonight is that if I can do it, anybody can do it. Amen. There 
there are so many people out there that are lost that need the truth and I trust you they're seeking for it. If I was seeking for it where I was in my life, there are other people out there that are seeking the same thing. We just have to pray that God will open up their hearts and bring them to us or take us to them to help them. That's what we've got to understand. So let's look at a couple of examples here in Hebrews chapter 11. In verse 7, it says, By faith Noah, when warned about the things not seen, in holy fear he built the ark to save his family. And by his faith he condemned the world and he became an heir of the righteousness that comes from faith. Noah didn't see the flood coming. He couldn't have. And he didn't remember. We think it took him about 100 years to build the ark. Think of the ridicule. Think of the persecution that he faced. All that he had was his three sons, their wives, and his wife. Eight of them laboring for a hundred years. Didn't see it coming. But by faith, the Bible says, and because of his righteousness, the world was condemned. And he got on the ark, and he was saved, and he saved his family. And that's what the Bible says. But that took faith because he couldn't see it but he was commended for his faith. So God gives us these examples. We take a look at even Abraham here in verse 8. You know, it says here in verse 8, by faith, Abraham when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and he went, even though he did not know where he was going. And by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. Like Los Angeles for us. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 13, By faith Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he was considered him faithful. Who made that promise? And to so from this one man, and he was as good as dead, came the descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. It's amazing what God can do. Verse 17, it says, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. You know, he who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. You know, when you think about this for a moment, Abraham, when we, when we, when we see him, let's think about this. He didn't know where he was going, as the Bible said, but he obeyed God. God said, go, he obeyed. But he, the Bible said he didn't know where he was going. And it says that he lived in tents. He couldn't see himself as a father. The Bible says that he was past age. Sarah was barren. He, he, Sarah laughed at it. And, and, and we think about these things. And then it also says, listen, he even had such great faith. That even though God did grant him a son, he was willing to sacrifice his son. His, he himself was going to take the knife and put his son willingly on the altar and he was going to kill him. And God saw his faith and said, no, stop. I have another sacrifice. You tell me that's not great faith. You tell me his, his righteousness, his faith, his obedience to God. God will reward our faith. Amen. God rewards when we sacrifice in that way. Verse 27. Talking about Moses. It says, By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. By faith Moses left Egypt. 
You know, and, and it's just amazing. He says, okay, the Bible says here that he saw what was invisible. Remember, God created the world out of that what was invisible. And we can't see God, but we see what God has created. Yes. And, and, and it says in the Bible, too, that God spoke to Moses face to face as one speaks to his friend. So he understood it. And by his faith... He did what God called him to do. God calls us to do things. And we've got to understand when called, we've got to follow God. We've got to obey God. And the, the purpose behind these passages, there's a common thing. You're either going to be commended for your faith or you're going to be condemned for it. You're going to be either commended or you're going to be condemned for your faith. And I think for each one of us, even personally, we've got to understand, all right, what is our circumstances? And at times, personally, our circumstances could even feel impossible. It's just impossible. I can't do it. it, it, it it's impossible. It, it, it won't happen. I don't have that faith. And so we give up. Because we think it's impossible. But the Bible even says nothing is impossible with God. Our consequences, we're, we're, we, we want to know and understand what are the consequences. If I, if I have faith, what, what, what's going what's to happen? And, and so fear sets in. Rejection, persecution, and we quit. And Satan has won the battle. Be, because we give in to the circumstances, we give in to the consequences, and we take God out of the equation. And we've got to keep God in the equation. And, and, and why is that? Because in verse 6, here's what the Bible says. It says, and without Faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He does exist. And He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. You know, you cannot please God without faith. And we all want to please God. Right? A lot of us are probably even people pleasers. You know, we want people to like us. So we're going to say and do and act to win people's favor. Whose favor are we supposed to win? God's. And and it's our faith that... And God is our coach. He's our mentor. He's our cheerleader. He wants us to have faith. That's our God. So... Where do we get our faith? Well, let's look at over Hebrews chapter 12. In verse 2, God provides the answer here. One of the greatest passages as far as I'm concerned. Verse 2 of chapter 12 of Hebrews. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. Who for the very joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning His shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Where do we get our faith? Jesus. What are we supposed to fix our eyes on? Jesus. Who's the author of our, of our faith? Jesus. In other words, Jesus is going to write about your faith. He, he is going to perfect it. He's going to make it perfect. If you just keep your eyes on Him. That's what God wants us to do. We do that... And you'll see the blessings and you see the rewards that are going to come from it. And we take it, obviously, to where we need to. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 says here in verse 3. For by the grace given me, Paul writes, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. So where do we get our faith? It's from God. And and God says, and I find this remarkable, that there's different measures of faith. And and, and so there's different measures of faith that do exist, but it's from 
God. Yeah. And that's so important. And that leads us to our second point tonight. Okay, you ready? Yeah. It's time to take your faith to the next level. Just elevate your faith. Elevate it. Take your faith to the next level. You know, faith can be strong and it can be weak and your faith can be up and it can be down. God says there's different measures of faith. But that's why we're in each other's lives. We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight as well. But if your faith can be strong and weak and it's up and it's down, let's look at some examples. Let's see what Jesus has to say about faith because He gives us some great illustrations. And I'm going to talk about great faith. I'm going to talk about a lack of faith. I'm going to talk about where is your faith. And so Matthew chapter 8, we're going to see the story of the centurion. And it says in Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 5, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him and asking for help, said, Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and is in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I I don't deserve to have you come under my roof, but you just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and this one to come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished. And he said to those following him, I tell you the truth. I've not found anyone in all of Israel with such great faith. I say to you then, Many will come from the east and from the west and they'll take their places at the feast with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there's going to be weeping and there's going to be gnashing of teeth. When Jesus said this to the centurion, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. Great faith. This centurion, he wasn't a Jew. He was a Gentile. And he had great faith and he had a willingness because he cared so much about his servant. He was willing to approach Jesus. He had such great faith because he knew who Jesus was. And and his faith astonished Jesus. It was his faith, his humility that was there. And understanding his need, I don't want to lose my servant. And Jesus looked around and he says, listen, look at this man. Look at his faith. And he goes... There is no faith that I have found or seen anywhere in Israel like this man. And he goes, I'm going to heal him. You go and he will be healed. He had great faith. When you have great faith, let Jesus work the miracles. That's what it takes. Let's look at another example. We're going to have a lack of faith at times as well. Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says here, Jesus left there and he went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. So his disciples are with him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him, well, they were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that's been given to him? Then he even, he does these miracles. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, only in his hometown among his relatives... And in his own house as a prophet without honor, he couldn't do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. He was amazed at their lack of faith even in your hometown. And his disciples have been with him. They'd seen the miracles. The Bible says that they were even amazed at some of this, but some of them turned their nose up at him. They sneered at Jesus. 
And, and he's like, listen, you don't have any faith. I can't really work. I mean, that is Jesus, the Son of God, basically saying, I cannot perform miracles because you don't have faith. Yeah. Wow. So we got to really ask, where is our faith? Come on. You have faith, Jesus can do amazing things. Yeah. So a lack of faith is not good. Yeah. Let's see about when Jesus says, okay, uh, where's your faith? Luke chapter 8, great example with nature. And, and this is in Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 22. One day Jesus said to His disciples, let's go over there to the other side of the lake. So they got in the boat and they set out. As they sailed, He fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped. And they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke Him up saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown! He got up, He rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where's your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So Jesus even said, Where is your faith? Where's your faith? I mean, no one can enter into nature and change it unless it is God. And, and it's so amazing because you're going to even be asked, where's your faith? And, and if, for me, even personally, there are times, don't you agree even personally, that times you just have great faith? Yeah. And, and there's times that you lack faith? Yeah. And then there's just times where a brother or sister's going to just look at you and say, where, where's your faith? <laughs> and and I, I just, there are, there are times, certain, certain studies, I just, that person is going to become a disciple. Yeah. They are going to become our brother and sister. I believe it and it happens. You know, there are, there are other times that I just, I just lack faith. And, and being responsible for the finances of the movement and the administrator of the movement, I will be honest with you, there are times that I, when I look at the money, I candidly, I just get discouraged. I can, I can get discouraged. I have a lack of faith. Like, where are we going to get the money? You know, and, and it just, but, but, but faith, it's to, to teach me I need to be more dependent upon God yeah. and, and to increase my faith. And we have never missed paying anything. Yeah. Because it's God. Like Sharon has to put up with me when I lack faith. But she's my cheerleader. And I... Uh, guys, there's times like you just got to ask me, where is my faith? Even I, I just... You can, you can see it that someone's going to become a disciple. But I, li- I, li- I like faith with my family sometimes. And I still have my mom and she's 94 and Sharon and I have sat down and shared the truth with her. But there's still a veil. There's a veil and there's a wall and it's hard to break through. And you get discouraged and you're just like, well, where's your faith? Of course you can. And we've, we've had a situation even with Sharon's family. And she's going to share more about this. But I have great faith there. I believe. I believe in that particular area. And, and it just, you gotta, you got to wrestle with this personally. And, and even, even in our evangelism, I asked Michael a question today. Like, how do you evangelize in London? And, and uh, you evangelize as you go. Um, and, and Michael really inspired me today. I mean, there, there was a young man on, on, on the tube. Uh, and Michael just made it so smooth, so natural. It, it, this young man, his name's Ezekiel. And, 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 and Michael, 
boom, he's just like, well, your mama was thinking about something when she named you Ezekiel, you know? And, and it just, it took, it took the wall down. It, it took the wall down. And, and, we were, and we had missed our stop, which gave us the opportunity to really engage this young man. And, and I had to tie my shoes, so we had to sit down next to him. God was working the whole thing. But, but at the end, it, it, it convicted me. You know, when you're having a bite of lunch and there's this bodybuilder guy and, and what is it, MMA or whatever it is? He's Portuguese, but he looked Russian. And, and, but Michael immediately connected with the guy. And, and, and you evangelize as you go. And we all, it, but, but, but he's not the only one that's called to evangelize. Every single one of us in this room are called to evangelize, to share our faith, to give others what we've been given. That's what we do. And we help each other, whether your faith is strong or weak, or if it's up or down, we help each other. We help each other. We're going to ask each other, where's your faith? We're going to be in each other's lives because we love that much. And to share what we've been given because we're going to take it to the next level. And and that's where you're going to start to see the fruit. And you start to see the multiplication come in in all the ways that God wants it to happen. So, can I increase my faith? Yes. Well, how? Well, okay. Romans 10. Romans chapter 10. It says here in verse 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. So, we know that the the word is where we get our faith. And it's the only way you're going to increase your faith is by the word. And it's just sometimes we're just absolutely flat out sinful and we're afraid to ask for more faith because we just don't believe. And that's wrong. And the more you're in the Word, the more you're in Christ, the more your faith is going to grow. It it just makes sense. Don't you feel better, stronger after a great prayer? Don't you, after you've had a wonderful quiet time, a deep study, a character study? Put character studies together in your life. About faith, the next level, your love, all these things. Pick something you want to work on in your life and in your character. Get in the Word and you're going to grow. It's going to help. It's the Word that increases our faith. John 14. It says here in John 14, verse 12. I love this interaction because this is a time of Jesus really comforting His disciples. and There's really a really good, just some strong stuff going on. And He says in verse 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in Me will do what I've been doing. Well, what's Jesus been doing? Miracles. He will do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father. And I'll, I'll do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Son may be, bring glory to the Father. You ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. That's Jesus. That is personal. Jesus is speaking to you and me. And, and he, He's saying, listen, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you the truth. And well, he always said the truth. But Jesus, he's, he's going to say, listen, this is the truth. I, you, you just ask anything in my name. In my name. I, I, I'll do it. And you want to know something else? You're going to do things greater than I could even do. I, I'm going to the Father. But I want you to know you can do great things. 
And that, that's a lot to be said in our hearts to understand these things. And I just, the truth is, put your faith in Jesus. That's all you have to do. Put your faith in Jesus. And He promises you. He promises. All you have to do is ask. So what are you asking for? What are you asking for? Don't overwhelm yourself. If you've got that little faith right now, just the one thing. Just one. Every one of us, just me, just just one, just one, even even, and it, it, it listen, it's, it's an example. It's, if every one of us, just once a year, once a year can be fruitful, and we know this through the discipleship study, guys, the world would be evangelized in our generation, mathematically and statistically. And it's just that's what it takes. Just have that faith and steal it and believe that these things can happen. Romans fourteen. It says here in Romans 14, in verse 23, at the very end of this particular verse, halfway through, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. Well, that's that's pretty deep right there. Now, the Bible says here, faith should be a part of everything that we do. It says right here, everything. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. So everything we should do should be associated with faith. If it's not, the Bible says it's sin. That should convict us to get faith. Because we don't want to be in sin. And we've got to meditate on these types of things and think about it. So, London, roughly the greater metropolitan area of London, roughly 15 million people, roughly 64 million people in the United Kingdom... Uh, Europe is 750 million people. People tell me it's atheistic, it's closed. It, I say it's first world. I say it's educated, and I say that it is open. And uh, I think that it, it collectively, and given what's going on, it, it's statistically the single largest collective economy in the world. And uh, But America, we say, well, it's a Christian nation. It's more open. No. America, it's no different. We have our own struggles. We're the most, in America, the most obese nation on the planet. One in three Americans is classified as being obese, overweight, unhealthy. What is that? Debauchery, greed, indulgence? That's what it is. We're a greedy nation. You know, the self-indulgence, me, individualistic society, career, money, possessions, all these things that go on. So we have our own challenges. Every mission field is going to have its own challenges. And and the one thing traveling through Europe that Shannon and I saw, specifically in Germany and in France, is people are looking for something. They're just filling it with the wrong thing. And and what what we saw profoundly is alcohol and like cigarettes. And and they're just trying to numb themselves. And, and to separate and, and just get away from the things that really mean something. They genuinely in their hearts, I believe, believe in God. We just got to take the time to pray, increase our faith, and begin to understand that God wants to collect it and make these things happen. It's not the EU. It's the unity of Christ. It's what He prayed for. It's what He died for. And, and to believe that these things can take place. And I, and I want to take a moment here for the London Church and the sacrifice of the London Church. Because you've done so much. Come on. And you are taking it to the next level, but we're going to go up a couple of flights. And, and, and because you have, 
you, you, you've given Blaze and Patricia to Los Angeles. And, and do you know now that Blaze and Patricia, there's 12 regions, like 12 churches just within L.A., all unified. And, and Blaze and Patricia are the most senior, meaning they've been in their role, and they've only been there for two years in the L.A. church in the region that they're leading. That's how much change and sending and sacrifice that we've done. But you sacrificed because you gave them to us. You, you gave us Blaze and Patricia. Yami went to Lagos with some other disciples. Yami was appointed. He gets appointed and you immediately send him out. And I believe he's already been fruitful in Lagos. And he's having even an impact on his family over there. Jacques and Jeanette, who Jeanette and I have known for nine years. You know, you sent them as long as other disciples to help get a foothold in South Africa. You have sacrificed. And I know it, it just, I, you know, he was one of the more successful people in the, in the church. One of the bigger, if not the biggest giver. And Michael and Michelle were willing and you were willing to give them up. You've got your crown of thorns for Europe. And I, and I just think it is a time of raising up leaders and to believe that this can take place. Again, the evangelization isn't just Michael and Michelle's job. It's all of our jobs. And, and dear to you know, Sharon and I are Anthony and Cassidy. And I just, you know, uh, God's going to send them to Paris. And God's going to grant them great success. They're going to fall in love. It's, they're going to get the language. They're going to get the visa. They're going to help strengthen the small group that's there. They're going to get a foothold on the continent. And great things are going to happen. And, and, and just think, they're, they're, they've not even been married to you. their willing, their sacrifice to want to go to Paris. And and that's to be commended. Commended, not condemned. And and I think of uh, of Yuri, converted, I think, in Orange County, right, Yuri? But, but, like, half German, half Russian. I can't wait for Germany to get planted. I just, it's Kirschner, I'm German. And, and, uh, that God, willing, would raise you up and to call you to be able to go. We've got to get this vision, this hope, this mindset, nation by nation and city by city to start to get these things. And you've got to understand your own personal maturity and and begin to raise up to do the things, be trained by Michael and Michelle to be able to take it on and to work through others. It's the only way it's going to get done. It's the only way that it's going to get done. And I think that I I love what you've done here because, because you're gathering in order to scatter. And, and, and it is, that's biblical, right? In the book of Acts. They gathered and they just gathered it. And I think of Spain and the Netherlands. And, 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 and you, your hearts and willingness and humility to leave Spain, to leave the Netherlands, to come here in humility, to get unified, to get strengthened, and God willing that God will take you and send you back down. Glorifies God. That glorifies God. But we got to get unified first and strengthened in that way. And, and God's going to bring you Kobe and Rebecca from Los Angeles. Um, having met uh, Kari and Brandon and just their zeal to go into the ministry. And just Brandon just spending time with us yesterday and taking the time to make sure Sharon and I were, you know, got to our place. All these things. This is what it's about. And it's just to grow up. Get up and start to do things. And then get our faith going. I think of the shepherding. I think of Michael and Maria and Denise and Ola. And, and it just... That, 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 and just that raising these people up. These brothers and sisters. Because it's to take care of the flock. To watch over the flock. To protect.
protect the flock and to watch out for the wolves. Because because wolves will come. And and as the shepherds is really making sure that the disciples stay strong. New member orientation. And having the disciples, the singles and the campus in your homes. Helping the marriage and getting strong in these ways. Are really what's going to build the church up. So that more shepherds are needed. More shepherds can be identified and appointed to do the work for God in that manner. It's so important. And administratively, we've got to build a foundation. If there aren't, I call myself the brick mason. Because it just... Well, Kip's the architect... And he, you know, he, here's the design for the building, and then we've got to kind of build it and put it together. And I just, just give me some mud and give me some bricks, and we'll, 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 we'll figure it out. But, but, but it takes the administrative arm, and I, I, I just have loved getting to know Victor and and, and Krista means a lot to Sharon and I. Um, but, but, but Victor's relationship with Michael must grow. Yeah. And, and there needs to be a partnership there that understands. And, and Victor needs to understand Michael's heart, Michael's plans, what needs to be done. So that we can work together so we move smoothly. Because my mission, my vision, is like if anybody goes anywhere, I, I just have a personal conviction. You take care of the ministry couple. Yeah. You take care of them. Yeah. And, and as a church, it's your responsibility to make sure that they're taken care of. Yeah. It, it really is. You're giving financially. Make sure that they can be freed up. Because if they have financial burdens or stress or debt or these things that they're worried about, they're not going to be as effective as they need to do to lead the church. And and so administratively, we have to have a strong foundation in this area as well. But remember, your faith can be up, it can be down, it can be strong, it can be weak. We help each other, and there's faith that are different levels. So you've got to take it to the next level, right? Let's continue to do those things. Let's go back to the Bible. All right, let's keep going. Still on point two. And uh, I, I love this because in Luke 22, it says here in verse 32. Luke 22. Yeah, we're with you. Jesus is interacting with, with, with Peter, with Simon here. And he says, I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. So Jesus, I think he really gets it and he understands. Jesus knows your faith is going to be tested. Your faith is going to be tested. And so he prays for us. He does. And and he says, you know what? That's what's going to help keep us faithful. And and, and it just Jesus is with us. He's for us. And he even says, when you turn back, meaning when you get strong... We help your brothers and sisters. We we help each other. We encourage each other. We love each other. Which leads me to my third point. Take your love to the next level. Remember what we read in Galatians chapter 5 verse 6? The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So how you express your love shows your faith. If you have little love... I think you got a little faith. You have much love. I think you have much faith. John 13. Come on, Michael. We know this one. John 13, 34, 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Well, discipleship study, right? I look at this and God says, Jesus says, love's a command. He says, and it's a new command, but it's a command. Two sentences, three times, he says, you've got to love one another. Why? He says, so that all men 
everyone will know that you're my disciples. If you love one another. That's right. Our love transcends gender, race, socioeconomic, background, anything. The world needs what we have. What the gift of the kingdom, the love that we have, the accountability, strengthening, encouraging. Jesus says, listen, the whole world, if you love one another, they'll know, they'll know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So love is at the root of everything that we do. We've got to take our love to the next level. 1 John 3. Come on, bro. says here in 1 John 3, verse 16. Amen. You know, right here. Well, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But Jesus is love, we know that. The Bible says He laid down His life and He says that you should do the same. And again, just think about everything that's gone on since we walked off that train. We have felt the love of the London church. Um... When you do what you do, sometimes you give and give and give, and and uh, you get a little tired. You can get a little weary, right? Yeah. And but the love we've received has just completely motivated us. It's inspired us. We're revived. I'm not. I'm not tired at all. And, and I just I'm motivated by your love for us, and and it means a lot to us. We feel love. We feel taken care of. It's inspired us. It's built faith into me. But by what you've done and what what you're doing for us. And the Bible says here, you know, it talks about, always talks about this this truth. And and it just, weaving these things in. Because Jesus says, I tell you the truth and the truth and the truth. You know what real love is? Is that when we are in a disciple relationship, we tell the truth. That, That the Bible does come out. And scriptures are utilized to help because it's what moves our heart. It's what changes us. And and it's important that we understand that. And I I just think that, you know, it says in Ephesians 4, we speak the truth in love. 1 Corinthians 4, it says, we set forth the truth plainly. And sometimes in our discipling relationships, we just got to lay it out. We got to just set forth the truth plainly. My brother... You are in sin. And here is what I see. And, and it just because, because it's, it's in love, and we care about the person that much, because we don't want them to be condemned and go to hell. It, it's what we do. It's a deeper, richer understanding of what true love is really all about. And, and we lay our lives down for each other. And we get in there. We roll up our sleeves. We're patient. Yes. We're kind. We're loving. We're considerate. But, but there's times we just got to listen. You got to wake up. Yeah. We're in fear of that person falling away or wandering away from the truth. We don't want them to do that. Come on, Michael. And I think that, that uh, having been married for 22 years to wow. Sharon... Foundations, I, I think, in our marriage is truth. We tell each other the, the, the truth. And, and um, Sharon has been given the gift, I think, of intuition, uh, devotion, compassion. That Those are words that I use to describe my wife. Um, words that I use to describe myself candidly. I can be overtly direct, uh, insensitive, and lacking compassion. Um, but she's perfect for me because she helps me. She helps me see my blind spots. And, and uh, 
it, it's what we do. It, it, it's a love that in our marriages that we've got to understand. And, and I just think that, you know, this constant theme that we're talking about, I want to impress upon you, you will be commended for your faith and commended for your love or you will be condemned. And, and in Hebrews, we, we, we want to be commended for our faith. And in John, I think we're talking about being commended for our, for our love. And, and right now, I want Sharon to take a moment to share with you to think about her here. I'm very, very excited just to share. I am uh, truly convicted by what Michael has said tonight. Um, It really challenges me because I can be honest with you, there's times uh, in my walk with God that I have had great faith and times just within the last year really that I've had little or no faith. And uh, it encouraged me just to be reminded that Jesus is always praying for me. And that really helped me tonight. But um, in talking with Michael and Michelle, they just encouraged me to maybe share where I've had to take my uh, love higher. Because as that scripture that Michael read a couple times, that in Galatians 5 verse 6, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And I, I really, really, I mean, um, I've learned a lot. I'm continuing to learn. As Michael uh, Williamson shared, I was baptized when I was in the campus. And uh, I'm going to share more about communion, just my journey and everything. But uh, even in the last year, I feel like God's given me an opportunity to do to just really learn how to take my love higher. And um, the first thing was with my family. As Michael mentioned, um, we moved to Los Angeles nine years ago, and we gave up really our families. All of our family is in the Midwest where we moved from. We gave up our careers, and we really, I sold our through like Craigslist and things, I sold, we sold together about 40% of our possessions. And I thought my family would be like fired up and wow, it's awesome that you love God. But instead they were discouraged. They were confused. They were really, really hurt. And they thought we were foolish and stupid. And uh, I I really, with great faith, I I just prayed a lot. I decided I was going to just love them unconditionally. But when about two years pass and I get hopeless and I my faith starts to wane and I just say, you know, maybe it's not. Maybe they'll never become disciples. And uh, but I just, you know, I just lost faith and I, I started to pull back my heart with love because I just didn't see a change. And then last September, my oldest sister, who is a very, she's probably the strong, she's the oldest in the family. I'm one of six. And she um, is, just to give you a little uh, information on her, she is a a women's ministry leader for an all-girls Catholic school. She's been doing that for 20 years. She has a lot of religious pride. And 
September of last year, she was diagnosed with stomach cancer. This devastated me. The only thing I could think of is her salvation, but I knew if I got out the Bible and tried to, you know, convince her, let's just go to God, she was going to, this wasn't going to work. And this is the scripture that I just thought, how can I, I pleaded with God, God, how can I love her and not try to convert her, you know? And uh, God really, really gave me open doors um, three times. She lives in Little Rock, Arkansas. That's uh, how many miles from? About 2,000. Uh, 2,000 miles, which is, you know, Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton country. That's where she lived. And, you know, God opened up the door three times for me and Michael to go there and be with her. The first time when she had two-thirds of her stomach removed. And right after the surgery, again, I was just, you know, trying to figure out how can I just pour myself out? How can I love her and not be religious like she she was? Yeah. And then the second and third time was during chemo treatments. And she saw a different side of me because in my shame, I had tried to convert her. I've tried to, you know, this scripture, but she would w- always one-up me with her religiosity, you know, and I was just like, what am I going to do? But this time, you know, God did his part and I did my part and I pray that he's pleased with my how I took it to a higher level in love and I would have never been able to do that uh, had it not been for just really understanding the scripture because I have great faith but I don't think I had great love, you know, for my family. I can... I can testify that I did not have great love for my family. And it really, when I got in touch that I may lose her, her, the uh, prognosis for stomach cancer, it's very, very bad. It's very, very bad. But here's the good news. We prayed together constantly, and she moved my heart. I know she moved God's heart with her prayers. And that's the only thing. She asked me to pray. And uh, it was quite remarkable because, um, and I didn't say this, but when we moved out to L.A., she told her daughter that I'm very close to that her aunt and uncle were in a cult. And so for her to ask me to pray, I was like, I was kind of speechless. I said, yeah, do you want to pray first and then I can pray? Because I just wanted to be humble and show her that love. And um, and yeah, she, we just constantly pray together. And from her last test that she's had, she's had, I don't didn't know all this, but they do CAT scans and PET scans. And they're just tests to determine how much cancer you have in your body. Body, zero. She had zero And so I think, you know, the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love, you know? And then the other example that I want to share with you, it's just so amazing to me where I learned so much about really expressing my love. There is a woman that just recently moved to L.A. from Sweden, and um, a sister in the church, as Michael mentioned, we have 12 regions. She was in a different region. She's from Sweden also. And she said, you know what? My friend is moving to L.A. Could you maybe call her and uh, see if she wants to study the Bible? So I did. And um, I... I uh, 
uh, was so amazed that this woman, we met together, we had lunch together, and she just gave me her heart right away. She said, you know what, I can tell you're a Christian. And she said, I was, I grew up in an orphanage. And uh, she said, my, you know, mother, she abandoned me, and my father, he would beat me so badly that he would have to take me to the hospital and I would protect him and say that I fell or something fell down on me and uh, she was very young at the age of like seven I want to say she was put in an orphanage where she was beaten and abused uh, by the family that was supposed to be taking care of her I guess like a foster care but in and out of orphanages and so I knew she had trust issues but we studied the Bible together she was very uh, spiritual and I was just so fired up I thought for sure she's going to become a disciple we got through all the studies and then because her di- she's um, she was born in Nigeria so she's of Nigerian descent and um, she decided about maybe three quarters through the way of our studies that she was going to, she had to put her school first. And it was, it exposed that the school was her God. And I was, you know, I was really kind of taken back because, boy, she was so insightful. And she, I thought, oh, she's going to get baptized next week, you know. And she didn't. She just, she stopped calling me. She stopped, um, you know, texting me. And I, at first, I was hurt. I said, you know what, God, this is, please just give me that kind of love that I need to have for her. Because I was hurt, personally. Um, I poured out myself for her. Michael and I, we would have her over for dinner, knowing that she didn't really have parents, and tried to nurture her. And then God just said, just love her. And so I would text her and uh, just call her and tell her how much I loved her and uh, sent school was her God, I ask her about school all the time. Are you doing well in school? When, you know, when's your next exam? I want to pray for it and nothing. And so I knew just through um, like just through meeting her that she would not eat sometimes and just study. So I, you know, just sent her just like loved little notes like a mother just saying you know, I hope that you're eating and uh, I hope that you're getting some rest and some sleep. And then she comes up out of, you know, she's resurrected somehow, and she calls me. She calls me, and she said, can we meet together? And I said, sure, you know. And she just face-to-face, she said, you know, thank you so much for your love and your kindness, and uh, I want to get baptized. (laughs) It was was really, really hard for me. I wanted to, like, you know, put, put and God will get you through your, you know, your your um, your studies. God will get you through all this. But I knew that she, I didn't want her to question my unconditional love for her. And so we had been through all the studies. She's seen enough scripture, you know. And I just thought I'm gonna, you know, really exercise my faith expressed in a higher love. And so those are the things that I just wanted to share. I'm still learning a lot about love, and uh, I. I pray that you're encouraged tonight by the I mean, those are good. Much love, much faith. Yeah. And uh, this is now our sister. And I think that 
Uh, in 1 John 4, it says this. It, it basically says there's no fear in love. And, and perfect love drives out fear. Now, I know a couple of things here. Number one, I'm not perfect. And, and number two, I have fears. I would think that in honesty, you'd probably say the same thing. Um, you can relate to that, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, my biggest fear is failure and rejection. I'm hypercritical of myself, and if I get negative con- feedback or some constructive, I, I just I can get crushed. You know, because I've overanalyzed myself already and beat myself up and those types of things. So we all have character opportunities, right? When, yeah. when when we think about it, but but at the core of it, if there is love, there's some, there's no fear. There's nothing to fear other than God. And in First John five, it says that. This is love, is to obey God's commands, right? And he goes on to say that my commands are not burdensome. Um, But let's close out here in John 3. It says here in John 3, in verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but shall have Eternal life. You know, God loves us that much, so much, that He gave His His one and only Son, Jesus. God's like, I love you that much. I'm I'm going to give you the best thing I could possibly give you. The most important thing to me is Jesus. And I'm I'm going to give you Jesus. And and if if, if you believe, then then you get eternal life. And, uh, you know, God had faith in His Son that He would persevere, get through it, and die on the cross. Because he knew, if he gave us Jesus, he knew what his son was going to have to do. But he loved us that much. And, and so, you know, God has faith in you and me. Now we're not asked to be going to be crucified on a cross. We're not. Not in the 21st century. But, but you've got to find your way that you can demonstrate your love. Take a personal inventory. Take a challenge. What, what is it that you can do to demonstrate your love? It might be financial. Giving more. Wow. It, it, it might be the fact that you just got to get more sober and real about discipling. Discipling or being discipled. I think that every church has an opportunity for more t- disciples to serve. Amen. Serve in some way. Yeah. Some way. Step up and serve. And it could even be that you can, you know what? Good love, great love, you can just be a better listener. Amen. That's one thing I'm even working on. I just want to be a better listener. But, but that, that's, that's love. See, I, th- I think that John, the disciple John, the apostle John got it. He really did. He, because we know him as the son of thunder, right? Yeah. And, and, but then he became the, the apostle of love, didn't he? Yeah. And God allowed him to write, what, five books of the Bible? And, and we know that they all died a martyr's death, right? But, but he didn't. You know, he died a good old age. And I think a lot of us, you know, we want to die a good old age, right? We, we don't want to be martyred. And, 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 but, but God can do what He wants to do. But John understood what really deep, deep love really meant. And, and it, it makes a huge difference. And what motivated him was Jesus. And it, and it was the cross. Because that's what he really wrote about was love. And if you have that love, that type of love, you take your love to that next level, it's amazing what can happen. Because, you know, when you think about it, how do you conquer kingdoms, administer justice, gain what was promised, 
How do you shut the mouths of lions, quench the fury of the flames, escape the edge of the sword? How do you weakness that was turned to strength? How in the world can you take become powerful in battle and rout foreign nations? How in the world can you do these things that are those that were tortured, they refuse to be released? How can you think that you can might even be gain some sort of resurrection? How can you endure the flogging, be changed, put in prison, be stoned, sawed in two, put to death by the sword? How in the world can you even do these things, wander around in sheepskins, having nothing? It's by faith. Remember, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Amen? We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.